1: The Prime Minister says that new federal models show continued progress in suppressing COVID-19, but with significant hotspots. And one of those... Hotspots, notably, is in Kingston, where there has been an outbreak with 27 cases related to a nail salon. The medical officer of health is warning that all nail salons there will be shut down if more are linked to a positive case. And meanwhile, south of the border, we are seeing record numbers of infections. Yesterday, 40 Thousand five hundred and eighty-seven new daily cases reported on a Sunday, and does the fact that our border with the U.S. is closed mean we are safe? So, uh, let me give out the numbers. 416 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we begin with Dr. Timothy Sly, who is an epidemiologist and professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. Hi, Dr. Sly.
2: Hi, Libby. How are you doing?
1: Fine. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Call me Tim.
1: Okay, Tim. Uh, are you uh, heartened? Are you confident because the Prime Minister has just said, hey, our federal models say we're doing well?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's like uh, looking at the whole elephant or little bits of the elephant. You know, there's a different picture there. Overall, the country is, is not doing too badly. But as you said in your intro, uh, we've got hot spots and they keep popping up, where we least expect them. Who would have thought Kingston, that was very proud of having zero deaths and only a few dozen cases in the entire saga, and then suddenly he just takes one and then we're off, just like in the lost Saskatchewan or in the, the, the Maritimes. Just one person, is all takes.
1: And, and thousands of people have had to get tested related to this. I mean, the reports that I saw said that good... Physical, distance, physical distancing was not practiced at this particular nail salon, that the customers didn't wear masks, and that there wasn't enough uh, distance put between the customers. And, and also, one of the positive cases, the one of the contacts is somebody who actually works in another nail salon. So um, what do you make of that?
2: Well, they, they are they are essentially where we were at the very beginning when nobody had a case and the first case appears, and they're that's lucky because they can now bring in the proper containment and uh, and isolate and can track people through contact tracing and they can normally get everybody in their net. Ideally, it's when it's completely out of control, they're just spreading everywhere. That's when it's very difficult even contact tracing. But uh, look, just look down the list of where we've had cases, uh, large numbers of meat plant, uh, agricultural workers, dormitories, uh, cruise ships, jails, nursing homes, it's where people get together very very closely, uh, that's where these scene jumps around.
1: Now I know a lot of people, mostly female people like myself, are looking forward to a mani-pedi, but is that more dangerous than maybe we thought?
2: It could be. The man he is different to the petty. Face it now, you spent a lot of money in there having the hands done and the fingers beautifully done and the nails all polished up. Are you then going to squirt them with alcohol and, and, and possibly ruin that nice appearance? Possibly not. So whatever you've picked up, even through the plexiglass window where you've put your hands, that's what you have on your hands when you go home and if you're spreading it around. If it wasn't for the feet, it doesn't matter. Uh, And anything else, you're going to wash your hands or squirt it with sanitizer, but not right after an expensive, uh, you know, manicure.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And But... And, and do you think that it can get on your hands from droplets? I mean, I'm assuming what, everything I've been led to believe is that, you know, picking it up from a surface, that's probably not Yeah, Yeah,
2: way- exactly right. But, I mean, all you, there's a human being on the other end. It's not, that, it's not a robot that's doing your fingernails. So all it wants is that one person on the other side of the plexiglass uh, to somehow have been infected or to pass on infections for somebody else because the contact is there, let's face it. And then you, uh, you're you in our hands and you are infected. And now you're going to take it away, take it home maybe. You're going to eat your lunch with it. You're going to feed the baby with it, whatever you're going to do. It, it, there's a point of contact. It's a, it's a red flag point. Because you just can't, or you should. But a lot of people won't sanitize their hands at that point.
1: Well, yeah, you, it has to dry.
2: Of, cu- of course, yeah. yeah.
1: So I guess you could uh, be careful and sanitize sort of under your nails. Uh, But would you, so would you recommend, uh, is it an idea to hang back from that?
2: Well, I think a very good thing would be to, for the industry to start looking and saying, look, at whatever happens here, we're going to use stuff that's, that's, uh, that's not going to be affected by alcohol. In other words, after you've had the treatment and after the hands look really good, uh, you will have your hand sanitizer applied to your hands. So when you then bring them back out of the uh, sort of holes in the plex- plexiglass, you're now ready to go. You're not going to have any virus on your fingers or your hands. So I think uh, just think something like that, of course, further upstream, we We've got to make sure that people in personal service of every kind should be viral tested, ideally once a week. That's what it would take. Anybody with an interface with the public, once a week testing. Once every two weeks is stretching it a bit, but even that's better than what we're doing at the moment, which is once in a blue moon and most people haven't been tested.
1: Hmm. Um- in Kingston, uh, now wearing a mask is mandatory, and there is a consequence uh, that businesses, you can be fined if people are not wearing a mask. Is that the right way to go?
2: Well, of course, remember that we've got a stealth virus of the worst kind. I mean, it's not that lethal. It's about half as, or no, about 10 times more than uh, than seasonal flu. But the point is, that it's, it's hidden. roughly half the time. We don't know who's got the virus and who doesn't have the virus. It's not like a a disease where you can see that somebody's ill. And with that fact, uh, somebody coming from an airport, somebody standing alongside you or close to you in the supermarket, they may be spreading the virus every time they open their mouth to talk, every time they breathe, and you just don't know it. This is why testing is so vitally important. And the countries that really did the testing and enforced mask wearing, they're doing the better than any other countries we're doing we all we can do is say well we're doing better than the united states but we're certainly not doing as well as the countries in southeast asia who've all done it the right way right from the beginning not just being prepared but uh, the advice to people and and mask wearing is essential and so on
1: what do you think when you see the numbers in the south and west of the united states i mean they are higher than ever it is huge
2: well we, we we prophesied that. I'm not sure whether I mentioned it last time. It was in your program. I said, watch out! From about two weeks' time, you're going to see those cases spike, and sure enough, up they went. Texas, Florida, California. It was the beaches. People swarmed out to the beaches, and around the same time, we had uh, street uh, demonstrations as well. And we uh, if you want to really really go back, go back to uh, February the uh, what was it the 19th or something? The Mardi Gras weekend in uh, in uh, uh, New Orleans. Uh, New Millions, and sure enough, we saw a spike right after that. But why couldn't you? It's an ideal virus uh, transmission. setting. Hundreds of people all drinking, you know, slapping each other on the back and, and, and hugging and so on. Perfect. Wait, wait uh, 10 to ten days or so and you're, you're there.
1: We had a couple of uh, big beach moments here a couple of weeks ago and also big demonstrations. Are you worried about those?
2: Well, the beaches in the hot sun is actually not as bad because in the hot sun you're getting a lot of ultraviolet and this virus is very fragile it's a very fragile virus even ordinary soap will do it it doesn't even need the alcohol so and so ultraviolet is very good but then again when you do get beaches you know what happens if the sun goes down you get the beach party and the bonfire on the beach and the beer drinking and the, you know that's where it happens and the Mardi Gras stuff was at night of course people on the streets, music, beers, uh, songs and dancing and so, on. so it's, it's, the, sun, the sun is a friend here in this particular particular regard But, uh, yeah, we've got lots of things to watch out for. Don't underestimate this thing. It's not going anywhere. We've got about 3% maximum of people in Canada who've actually had it and might have some antibodies right now, 3%. That means 97% of us in Canada are completely susceptible, and that virus isn't going anywhere soon.
1: And and we have no idea how long those antibodies are good for anyway, right?
2: No, that's what exactly we don't. It may be uh, several months. It may be a year or two. We just honestly don't know yet. It's been too early.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Tom in Downsview. Hi, Tom. Hi, how you doing? Fine, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thanks. Um, I wanna
2: know what I can do, according to your specialist there, what I can do to strengthen my immune system. So if I do get COVID-19, how I can fight it off.
1: Okay, I'm gonna let you go and let him answer.
2: Well, Tom, there's a lot of people would like to have a magic pill that's uh, is an instant immune strengthener, but they just don't exist. There's no such thing. All we can say is that uh, you either, either have a good, strong, healthy immune system, or you have something that's a bit weak. So, for example, if you're stressed or under great tension, or you've got a lot of other things going on in your life and, and so on, then you can see immune suppression. That's why we, we, we suffer from a sore throat or a cold or something if we're under stress. But uh, otherwise, it's just living normally, and you ignore all those uh, salespeople who say this little pink green pill here will solve rabies, scabies and babies. It'll, it'll strengthen your immune system. Rubbish. It just doesn't exist like that.
1: We are talking to Dr. Timothy Sly, and now I'd like to bring in Dr. Gerald Evans, who is the chair of the Division of Infectious Diseases and a professor at Queen's University. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Evans.
3: Well, thanks for having me, Libby. Uh,
1: So what is your reaction to this outbreak in in Kingston after basically you had no cases?
3: Uh, Well, I I guess the first thing to say is that uh, uh, although we wouldn't like it to be here, uh, it's not a surprise. Uh, When you begin to relax social distancing measures with uh, the gradual opening up of various facilities, uh, then uh, there is an expectation that with low levels of circulating virus, even in our community, which has been, as you pointed out, uh, quite fortunate uh, so far in in how things have worked out. You will see a flare of this coming up, particularly uh, if there are um, either some measures which were not uh, rigorously adhered to uh, in a personal grooming setting like a nail salon, um, and that can result in transmission. So uh, certainly it's, um, I think, been, uh, as I can quote my uh, colleague, Kieran Moore, who's our local medical officer of health, uh, it's a bit of a wake-up call for our community to recognize that we're not immune to the potential for uh, the re-emergence of our virus and to see outbreaks like this popping up even in, uh, in our
1: area. Do you think that it was uh, perhaps a, a little uh, foolhardy to allow such a close personal Service as nail salon?
3: Um, well, yes and no. I mean, we know that certainly grooming facilities, whether they be a nail salon, a spa or a, or even a hairdresser, that there is a close personal contact with uh, the person who provides the service and the customer. Uh, but having said that, we we put into place and provided guidance for all these places to adhere to and follow the, the procedures that would be important to reduce the likelihood of that transmission from occurring. Uh, what's happened, and Dr. Moore has been fairly public about this, is that uh, some of the measures which were uh, highly recommended and should have been put in place uh, were lacking in this particular uh, facility, and uh, that's what resulted in the transmission so we're still getting a a feel for if people follow and we're talking not only the customers but also the the people who run the business follow those measures uh that may be sufficient enough to reduce the risk of transmission uh to a very low number if not zero which would be our target
1: and do you think that the consequences now in place are are enough of a deterrent i know the medical officers of health also said any more positive cases resulting from this and we're going to close all nail salons?
3: Right. So one of the things that, you know, we learned quickly is that there may be something unique, for instance, about certain services that likely results in transmission. Uh, my colleagues and I, who are in the Division of Infectious Diseases um, at KHSC and Queens University, have been speculating that in the, the nature of providing nail care, especially a manicure, uh, the the worker the uh, in that salon is touching the hands of the of the individual. Yes, they may have gloves on, but gloves are unfortunately sometimes a bit of a uh, a, a thing that dissuades people from thinking that transmission can occur. And then once your nails are done. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't have manicures done, but my daughters have had them done. And the issue there is that one oftentimes does not wash your hands afterwards because using an alcohol-based hand rub or soap and water uh, is usually uh, sort of frowned upon slightly just because otherwise it's going to ruin the very manicure that you've had done. So it may be specific, and I'm only speculating here again, it may be specific that it's related to manicures because if your hands are contaminated with virus, and then afterwards, you, you don't have an opportunity, or you don't wash your hands and practice hand hygiene, and then subsequently touch your face. It's possible to transmit the virus by that route. So it may be unique, somewhat, to nail salons.
1: Okay. Well, you know what, uh, Dr. Sly pointed that out before the break, and I think maybe it's it's uh, something we'll all think about because uh, I know uh, in you know w- among my friends, we're kind of looking forward. To, to a mani-pedi, um, but um, as, as you're saying, maybe that's something riskier than the other things, and, and not the same risk for a pedicure, because I guess you're not going to touch your toenails and then touch your face.
3: Yes, unless you're extremely uh, flexible, I don't think you're going to be using your foot to touch your face, so a pedicure may, if, if this pans out to be the case, where we're continuing to investigate some of the aspects of it, but a pedicure may be a lot less risky than a manicure.
1: Okay, uh, let us take a call from Jim in Pickering. Hi, Jim.
2: Hi, uh, good morning to everyone, or good afternoon. You know, I'm, I'm kind of confused, right? Like, I'm, I'm taking all the precautions. I have, uh, I guess by age, I'm at a risk at 73, but no other conditions. I understand about um, social distancing and all the rest, but the one doctor used the example of being in a supermarket, and the person beside you could have it and breathe. We need to shop. We need to breathe. I think we to eradicate it and have zero be really terrific. But if there's nobody elderly at home, God, if I do get it, I get it. But if that's not the end, is
1: it? Sorry, I, I, what's your question? So, you know, I mean, are, are we not going overboard like we need to shop? We need to breathe. We may get it. Michael
3: Ford had it. He's, he's still here.
1: Yeah, he's in his, uh, he's in his 20s. Um, It's a good idea to wear a mask and a lot of grocery stores, uh, you know, are enforcing that you got to wear a mask. And And if everybody gets wears a mask, uh, you know, I haven't recently heard of cases of transmission in grocery stores, which doesn't mean it's not happening. But uh, since it became more commonplace for grocery stores to require masks, I've heard a lot less about it. Jim, thanks for your call. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the question was there. Uh, you know, uh, we're waiting to hear some more details, uh, Dr. Sly, from the Prime Minister uh, about federal modelling. And he's talking about hot spots, but we're doing well. So what do people really have to be on guard for?
2: Well, I think they have to be on guardly before the fact that uh, there's no reminder here. I mean, you know, in the winter time, we're all nailed down in the basement, and we, uh, well, we kept hearing the news, and then the nice weather comes along, and we're outside, but the barbecues are beckoning, and group hugs are just all over the, and the, you know, it's easy to forget what's going on. If we had a, a bed set up with a ventilator and a poor patient in on a, on a life support system, we'd be reminded. Or if you, the moment you became infected, you turned purple and foamed at the the mouth but it's not happening so it looks uh, like business is normal business as usual and it's so tempting to go out there but the thing has not gone away it is still there and showing no signs of weakening and we have to take those precautions so as, as the caller called in and said yeah we have to go shopping i just i just uh, on the way back from shopping when you producer called, but i wear a mask and in fact everybody in that store i was surprised everybody was wearing masks uh, the cashiers had face shields as well it was well done Distancing was enforced, it was done properly. And if you take those precautions, we're going to be on the right side of the safety line.
1: Okay. uh, We are totally out of time. So, uh, Dr. Evans, I'm taking away your thought to leave us with, and we will talk again. Uh, So, thank you so much, Dr. Gerald Evans, Dr. Timothy Sly, and that is all the time we have for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.